Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to the highest version of our aligned self each and every day, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Today, our guest is Isabel Santis. She is an integration specialist and expanded states of consciousness is what she likes to get into. So, Isabel, thank you for being here. Let's get into what you do for a living, what you do in life, and how you contribute to your community. Hi, very nice to be here. Thank you for having me, Pepper. I mean, this accumulation of things that you are doing now is quite a bit. And we always wonder how a person gets to doing what they're doing. How did you get into these particular areas of healing? I got. Um interested in working with the unconscious after a dream that I had uh, when I was 25. And um, in this dream, it was so uh, powerful. I woke up from this dream shaking and covered in sweat and knowing full well that what I had experienced was something that was real. But nothing in my life before had ever prepared me for having an experience like that. And um, I, I know now that that's what it's referred to as a spontaneous spiritual emergency. You know, I was my, I got opened up um, through this dream into a realm of reality that I wasn't familiar with. And um, my background up till then had been basically as an atheist and very materialistic science-based point of view. So um, I believe that if something could not be proven and observed and tested, it did not exist. And having this experience really shook me up and pulled the rug from right under my feet. It was very destabilizing. Um, and I experienced what, you know, it's known as a spiritual emergency for days at a time. For, for days, I was really um, agitated and, and in this deep sense of um, discomfort in the world that I was inhabiting and not knowing what was real and was not. And um, I was dating this guy at the time who is now my husband. And he suggested that I go to the Jung Institute um, in San Francisco where I lived and live still. And um, I spent two and a half hours with the librarian who helped me pull out all these books um, to help me analyze the content of my dream and start making sense of that. And that's how I became enamored of depth psychology, which is um, uh, a discipline created by Carl Jung um, that uh, 
who deals with the realms of the unconscious. And that was the beginning of the work that I'm doing now. Um, over the years, I continued to explore this. And when I discovered uh, psychedelics, that was one other way in which I could access these realms. Um, I had also worked um, with shamanic journeying and um, holotropic breathwork as different avenues to enter into the space of expanded states. Uh, but psychedelics provide a reliable and quick way of getting into a um, alternative state of consciousness that provides the opportunity to work with not only the personal unconscious, but the collective unconscious as well. And I felt that the, the gifts of these states were so tremendous. And I experienced so much personal transformation through my work in these um, states uh, that I have decided to make my life work um, out of helping people navigate and um, integrate the knowledge that they receive from these experiences. What a powerful story. And I'm going to dig in just a little bit, but only because I'm curious. And I'm sure there are other listeners or viewers that are wanting to know what your dream was. And, you know, I've been through spiritual awakenings, many, and I mean, we constantly are having them, right? I mean, some of them a little bit more powerful than others. Um, and so with some of mine, I don't want to, to relive them. I don't want to tell the stories of them. So, so I usually don't share a few of them because the initiation of that much in is especially when you have spirit guides coming to you for something, it can be powerful and scary. So if you don't want to share it, that's fine. But if you're open to sharing, uh, we'd love to hear what the dream was about with that initiation or that, or that movement forward, that spiritual awakening, as you call it. In, um, I'll share some parts of it, you know, that I'm comfortable with. Um, in, in the dream, I am at a party at a beautiful home, like a mansion, but I don't want to be there. And there's this, um, like a big stone um, veranda type of thing overlooking a beautiful garden. And to the left of the garden, there's like a little woodsy area. And I decide I want to go for a walk in that woodsy area. And as I approach the, the wood, there's two paths going parallel to each other, one on the right and one on the left. And as I go into the path, I encounter a series of animals that um, one of them gives me the choice of continuing forth or um, staying in, going back. And it's like the red pill, blue pill type of thing, you know? And I, I decide to go forward. And then all of these other things happen to me during that path. And um, eventually I know that in the next step that I take, I'm going to fall down into this pond and I'm going to die, experience a death, um, an ego death possibly. And I wake up as I am going down into the water. And um, it, is a, it was a really powerful experience. Um, all of the animals and beings that I encountered have become my personal totems. Um, and they are part of my ongoing uh, work, you know. Um, 
and they have friends. And it's just, it's been one of those things, but one of the most curious things about this dream, this was 27 years ago. Now, and it has continued to provide me with guidance. It, every time that I have an important decision to make, I refer to this dream and, and check in to see if I'm in alignment with the path that I was given to follow. And every time I make a good decision based on that alignment, the rewards are just enormous. And I have also found that at different stages in my life, I've gone back and I can see the mirror and reflected in a, an aspect of the dream itself. So um, it's one of those things where it has provided me with a great deal of inspiration and guidance over the years. And it it's like this gift that keeps on giving, you know, which is one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated by the potential of expanded states to provide transformative support for an, a person's life. It sounds like a very lucid dream that you experienced. I, I love the fact that you share that with us. So thank you very much. And one dream can be so intense that it will shift your reality to doing something else. So what were you doing right before it? Well, I continued doing, I was working as a project manager at the time and I continued on my project management career for 20 years. So this was by no means um, something that I did as work. You know, I began my exploration purely as a, as a personal development um, exercise. You know, I started studying psychology to find out more about the unconscious. I then discovered um, holotropic breathwork and had the opportunity to work with Stan Groff and a lot of the people um, in that world. And then I discovered um, shamanism and I had the opportunity to work with Michael Harner and Susan Mokelke. And it was this wonderful teachers that kept on expanding my view of what was possible and how to navigate this unconscious states. And my, my, what I was reading in psychology, it, it materialized for me repeatedly in the understanding of the collective unconscious and how we are all connected and the transpersonal experiences that you can have in these expanded states. So about um, three and a half years ago, I decided that I was ready for a career change, but I wasn't really sure what to do. And through a experience where I asked for guidance um, with plant medicine, I was reminded that this is something that I had committed to do at some point in my life and that this was the right time to do that. So I went back to school and then I studied um, I, to get my PhD in East-West Psychology at CIIS. And I am working now on my dissertation, uh, which is on expanded states of consciousness. So that is, you know, kind of the the uh, arc of some of my training. Wonderful. So when you talk about integration specialist, can you tell our listeners what that means exactly for you? Um, an integration specialist, someone who helps people make meaning from their experiences and then implement changes based on those experiences. For example, I didn't really have anyone who would help me integrate that experience until I went to the Jung Institute. And I met with the librarian who helped me start to piece together the imagery 
from my experience so I could start making sense of it. So he played um, a very important role of supporting my integration so I could start making meaning of what had happened to me. So that's one aspect of integration. And the other part um, that often people refer to more as implementation is now that you have this information, now that you have seen patterns of behavior, you have noticed how you show up in different ways and what the consequences are of those things. Now what? What do you do with that information? You know, you can go back and ignore it. You can go back to your previous state and it completely ignore this new understanding, or you can do something about it. And that often requires careful and intentional planning. One of the things that often happens is say, for example, someone goes to Peru and has this transformative experience with ayahuasca and they come back and they realize the things that they have been doing with their life are not sustaining, they're not healthy. They're continuing to have toxic relationships with the same people and repeating the same patterns over and over again. And then they decide they need to change everything, right? So they wanna quit their job, they wanna move to a different, you know, um state and that sometimes is possible but not always you know what if you have kids what if you have a mortgage what if you need to pay the rent you know what if you have a parent that depends on you how do you implement those changes needs to be sensitive to your environment and your other responsibilities because otherwise you're not really um holding up your end of the bargain right this gift has been given to you to better your life and also to be in, in deeper connection and community with other people. So um, just throwing out baby out with the bathwater is not necessarily the best approach, but it can be a default reaction to a transformative experience. So part of my role as integration specialist is supporting people through the meaning making portion and then coming up with actionable, intentional ways of taking um, of making changes in their life, but that they're not gonna be destructive. you know. And that can mean completely changing your life and moving to Portugal, but it can also mean just you know, ending some relationships and asking for a promotion at work or you know, making small shifts and in the way that you live your current life that don't necessarily mean you know, a complete change in the way that you do things, just an intentional one. It's interesting, Isabel, that you call this a gift, these, you know, this dream that you had, or, you know, the, when you're helping people integrate as a specialist, you call this a gift. And why, why is that? I've, I have found my experience has been that the work that I have done, every journey that I take, I'm handed this treasure chest full of gifts, every single journey every single depth experience. It, it gives me a chest full of gifts that I then get to open and incorporate into my life. It is, you know, things like realizations about, you know, like one of the most powerful gifts I've ever received was the experience of unconditional love that was so profound that it completely changed my relationship with my mother, completely. I cannot imagine a better gift than that. And it would not have been possible if I hadn't been in Peru working with ayahuasca. So that is for me, the epitome of the types of gifts that you can get from working with plant medicine. And some of them are terrifying gifts. 
sometimes you don't recognize the gift until after the fact and you realize how overcoming something is a gift you know finding you know facing to a terror something that is terrifying and asking for the lesson in that terror and understanding and receiving and, and relinquishing control over your fear or learning how to work with that fear and that you can survive things that are terrifying. Those are gifts too. So it is, it's, um, we call that post-traumatic growth. You know, I think one of the ways in which um, plant medicine helps us develop um, and grow is by allowing us the opportunity to face our deepest fears and allow and giving us the opportunity to do so um, safely, you know, and and courageously and show up in a way that we might not otherwise have done so. So it pro it provides continuous opportunities for strength and uh, compassion and beauty to come out from even the darkest of experiences. Everything you just said resonates so strongly with me and I appreciate you for sharing it. And I don't even need to ask, but do you think that you are doing your life's purpose? Do you feel you're on track? No, no doubt about that. You know, it is, this is, I think that all the experiences I've had in my life have led me to do this type of work, you know, and particularly helping people make sense and make change out of the learnings from their experience, you know. How do you then implement that to make the world a better place? You know, that, that I think is the purpose of um, working with psychedelics and with other ways of achieving expanded states um, is for us, not only for our own personal evolution, but how can we bring about a different type of consciousness that can allow our survival and the rest of the species in the world that we live in. Well, I appreciate you for being here. And it happens to be that time in our podcast where we're going to give a short little shout out to a local aligned business that I love so very much. And I think that you will too. We will be right back with a few questions about an expanded states of consciousness for Isabel. You are listening to the Quantum Alignment Podcast with Dr. Pepper Hernandez on KZZHLP 96.7, community radio from Access Humboldt. We hope this information helps you on your path of holistic health and wellness. For a complete list of past guests and episodes, go to quantumalignmentpodcast.com. back with Isabel. We have so many questions for you. During the break, we kind of chatted a little bit about the importance of integration. And on our show, we have spoke about the importance of integration or preparation before someone goes and takes medicine and goes into a ceremony. But what if these kind of things are happening spontaneously to people? We don't need to go and do an ayahuasca trip for a week or a weekend. These kind of things like your first one, the one that you shared with us previous, it happened in a dream. So what about for these 
humans, these people, what, what are we doing for them, Isabel? I, I think um, one of the challenging things is that oftentimes when you have a sp spontaneous spiritual awakening that you don't have a container to hold, meaning you don't have a, a, a community that understands what's happening to you. You don't have a framework of reference, um, you know, like a culture that understands um, what, what this is that's happening to you. Um, you don't have a spiritual advisor that can recognize the, the signs of a spiritual awakening. It can be very destabilizing and it can go from a spiritual emergence where things are, are flourishing to a spiritual emergency because you don't have the proper container to hold that information, to hold your experience. And one of the challenges with the culture that we live in is that usually that gets pathologized. So part of what happens is when you're really destabilized um, and you're questioning reality, you're questioning you know, your value system, you had an experience where you know, a lot of things became really crystal clear, that may show up um, for other people around you as there's something wrong with you, Some, you broke your brain. <laughs> I've heard that before many times actually. People being told that they broke their brain or they damaged their brain per permanently or all kinds of different things. And that's a fear-based approach. Sometimes what you need is the right container to be able to hold your experience so you can go through it and it normalizes it to the extent where you can no longer feel afraid that what's happening to you is out of the ordinary. You know, it is out of the ordinary, but it's not unhealthy or is not um, damaging. It, it is something that is a, a part of what has happened to humans throughout history. You know, this is, this is part of a spiritual awakening. And having an, a container to support that emergence can make the difference between a positive experience and a really negative one. My suggestion is that for any people who are experiencing a destabilizing spiritual awakening, like a Kundalini awakening, or some other form of really activating energetic experience. You know, a lot of people have psychic openings. Um, there's all kinds of ways in which this can manifest. And is that you find a sympathetic listener, someone who is not gonna think that you're crazy. And at the same time, please be mindful not to fall prey to people who are going to take advantage of you in those situations. Because being in a susceptible space like that, you have, we have a tendency to just reach for the person that says, yes, I understand what you're feeling, and then uh, put aside our critical thinking. And if someone is there who is not a scrupulous ethical person who's, who's looking to take advantage of someone who's vulnerable in that situation, that can be a damaging beyond belief. So highly recommend that if you are working with expanded states, that you find a guide or that you find a integration specialist, someone that can support you in that process that you trust that is qualified to do the work. So tell us what that looks like. Tell us how you help people in, with that. I'm sure you get stories and tons of people come to you for different things, but how do you even begin? Well, I think it really depends on where the person is and what they need, you know, and I, I, I don't have an agenda. You know, when my client comes to see me, they're, they're in control. They're 
is their agenda that, you know, if they want to, whatever it is that they want to do, that's what we work on. Whatever is alive in them at the beginning of the session is what we work on because that's where the most energy is. And part of the work that I do is really tuning in into that energy and helping um, my clients develop. There's something called a window of tolerance, right? When there is our capacity to hold uncomfortable experiences. And most of us have a tendency to run away from discomfort, right? This is normal human um, behavior. So we encounter a difficult experience and we're like, oh no, I'm out I can't deal with this and like run for the hills. However, the problem with that is that then we are not facing the things that are, um, are growing edges. Right. If we're always deferring or not dealing with the things that push our boundaries or push our buttons or we're not seeking to understand those things, then we lose the opportunity to grow. So part of the work that I do with people is to help them to um, expand the window of tolerance for discomfort. Right. That doesn't mean that it's a masochistic thing where, you know, you're going to experience pain over pain over pain. That's not the goal, but it's to to really become more comfortable with your capacity to, to withstand discomfort, right? And then once you are able to more mindfully engage with the discomfort, you have the opportunity to, to be curious about that and to find out what is, it, what is it that this represents? Say, for example, I'll just give you an example that um, I'll use my, my uh, personal experiences. During um, the dream that I referred to earlier, one of the things that was a very important motif for snakes. And in my dream, snakes were prominent. I grew up in a culture, I'm from Guatemala. I grew up in a culture with, where snakes are often deadly. <laughs> so you don't normally see a snake and you're like, oh, it's just a snake, you know? It's kind of, it's a, it's a thing for a lot. It's like red flashes, right? And in my dream, the snakes, I was not afraid of them. But when I woke up from the dream, the fear of snakes returned. And I had to um, work with, with that, with my own aversion to the snake. And and figure out where that was coming from because in my dream I was not afraid, you know. I but I knew that as soon as I went into the water, they would bite me and I would die. But even that was not scary in my dream. You know, it was scary, but it was not like I don't know how to explain it. I knew that I would die, but it would not be a, a permanent death. Hard to explain. Um, understanding those things, you know, being there with the discomfort of this idea of death this idea of my own mortality and this idea of, um, of you know, a, a final ending and things like that. That is one of the gifts that I received because it was what came out of that was on the other side. And the snake as a symbol of regeneration and growth and, and always changing its skin as it grows, you know, and leaving behind what it no longer serves it and coming out the other side with this new shiny skin and growing and this this is why the snake is a symbol of healing and a symbol of eternal life in ancient cultures all over the world so there's this other ways of looking at something once we 
confront and engage with the material that can be really, really disturbing, um, that allows for a new meaning to emerge. And something that could have been really dis disturbing can become something very meaningful, and we can find the gift in that. So what I hear you say is it's really about transforming limited thoughts or beliefs into something more positive of a direction that you could go in, right? To be helpful for your life. Yeah, the, the whole process of integration is about finding the gems, you know, like excavating, going into that treasure chest and pulling out the thing and seeing how does this beautiful jewel fit into my life? What can I do with this now? You know, sometimes the jewel is completely covered in gunk and, you know, like you don't realize that it's a jewel until you start cleaning it off and polishing it. And then all of a sudden there's this beautiful thing that can really inform the way that you show up in the world. And that is what I believe is the realization of the true gift. It is not just how it, it, it touches you and it applies to your own personal life, but how it applies to how you show up in the world for other people, your relationships, the people that you love, the people that you don't even know, but how do you behave in the world in a way that is in, in accordance with these emerging values? I, I just really value what you're saying and, and how much you're giving to the world and the community. So I thank you so much. Um, last little question here before we give people a way to get a hold of you, of course, is, you know, if someone was at home listening or wherever they are watching, can we give them a few maybe self-care rituals or a recipe to develop what we are asking, you know, this transforming of limited belief thought systems, this gym, you know, how do we get it out of the gunk? What can we do on a daily basis? Uh, do is there's two things first developing awareness of when something comes up for you that is uncomfortable like that could be shadow material or a or a memory um or an uh instinctual reaction you know like you get triggered and then you have an instinct to react right you know that's something that happens to all of us all the time the first step i think is becoming aware that that's happening and just without judgment, just noticing, noticing that you're doing it. Noticing that, you know, when someone said something, you like barked back at them. Noticing that, you know, um, when this thing happens, I feel this in my body, right? Or I feel a constriction or I feel this need to flee. There's, there's noticing what is happening with us internally in our internal state is one of the most important um, skills we can develop. And then the second thing is be curious about that. Leave the judgments aside. Leave the judgments aside and instead approach it with curiosity. Like, what does this mean? You know, what am I, what is behind this? As you bring this curiosity without labeling, without judging, without shaming, without pushing away, without trying to sleep under the rug and, and pretending that that not pleasant thing about ourselves is, is there, then we can begin to actually work with the material that arises. And you know, the more reflective we are on our shadow self, you know, the things that we are not 
happy about about ourselves or the things that we're not proud of, things we'd like to pretend that are not there, or even things we're not aware of or our old traumas, things that we just want to ignore. That's what we call the shadow self, you know, parts of ourselves that we don't want to face, we don't want to deal with. The more light we can bring to that, the more complete and whole and healthy we will be. So the two things are developing awareness with compassion towards yourself. And then curiosity, approach the shadow self with curiosity. You know, what do you have to teach me? What do you have um, to share with me? You know, where are you coming from? What need is not being met that you're showing up? You know, what am I, how am I, you know, how is this triggering for me? Why is it? Is there a history behind that? Is there a pattern, you know, from early childhood? Is there, what can you bring to curiosity and compassion into your inquiry as opposed to judgment or shame or shutting down. Um, so that would be my, my advice. Um, that can have profound, uh, you know, positive consequences for our lives. Those two things that you just shared with the listening audience and with me are so important. And I'm so grateful that you did share them. I think both of those things are things that we can do almost every single day for the rest of our lives, happy with what is and to be loving and kind. But no matter how 100% aligned you are, there may be something at some point that triggers you. And those, that tip, those tips are perfect for understanding yourself a little bit better. Thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs. Where can we find you? Sure. Um, I think the best way to find me is through my website. It's Spiral Journey Integration. You can search for Spiral Journey on Google or my name, Isabel Santis. Events and classes that I do, and of course, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and um, always all kinds of different fun stuff for you to learn or practice with. Well, we're sending you so much love and success on your journey of helping others because we know it is a very humble, selfless thing to do to be a healer in this day and age. Thank you so much. To the audience, thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Thanks for listening, and let's make this your very best life ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.